We're going to be joined in a moment or two by uh, Dr. Matthew Outen. He is infectious disease specialist at the Jewish General Hospital. I think I might have been born there. Uh, I've said that before. That's in Montreal, and uh, like I say, he'll be with us in just a moment. But uh, right now, I want to mention a couple of things. I've spoken to, and this is not looking for anybody, two Toronto friends and two Montreal friends in the past week, uh, all recovering from COVID. I think two of them at this point, I could say, are recovered. One of them is almost recovered. One of them is still quarantining for another couple of weeks, and they all had relatively mild cases. This is kind of the uh, the yin and the yang, the, the good side and the bad side of the one shot. Um, all of them reported that their COVID was kind of like a bad cold. And the reason they say, this is they say, is I got a single shot of the vaccine like everybody else. And I have this feeling that if I had no shot, I could have been in real trouble. I think the, the single shot gave me enough, we can't call it immunity, but enough of... Uh, protection that this came out like a crappy cold as opposed to a horrible disease that would fill up my lungs and ultimately kill me. So uh, there's something to be said for that. And, uh, you know, beyond that, you can't go anywhere. So where I'd like to go, and I will welcome Dr. Matthew Utten uh, of Jewish General Hospital. Hi, how are you? Oh, very well. Uh, thanks for having me on. Oh, it's great to always great to have you on because you know so darn much, and we rely on uh, you and your colleagues to tell us what we should interpret from what we see, and we see so much it just comes across the wire all day. And the big news when I woke up this morning, as I was just saying in the monologue, is um, Denmark says, "Okay, no more AstraZeneca. Uh, even if we've given you one shot, you're not getting uh, number two. You're going to get a different vaccine, uh, and it'll be in their case Pfizer." So here's the deal for me. First question that I have for you, because right now AstraZeneca is okay in Canada, but this stuff is changing almost hourly. I was unaware, completely unaware, as a guy who's covered nothing but this for the, the entire duration of the pandemic. I've done almost no subjects that don't touch on COVID. I've never heard of anything like mixing and matching vaccines. Oh, you got an AstraZeneca, but now you can get a Pfizer. That's true, and if it's true, it's effective. So that, that general, uh, I guess, concept of mixing and matching vaccines is something that really predates COVID, okay? We have looked at this in other uh, infectious diseases for which we have vaccines for many, many years. And in fact, in the context of COVID, that topic has been looked at uh, very early on when it became evident that we were going to have the luxury of choice uh, and it was predictable that due to, especially early on, shortages of uh, uh, production uh, or, uh, you know, temporary problems with uh, shipping or whatever else, that there would likely be these kinds of situations that this issue was uh, uh, addressed. What's going to be most useful to actually give us some science on this is there is a uh, trial underway headed out of the United Kingdom that is expected to report towards the end of June, maybe beginning of July, on this exact idea of mixing and matching. You know, conceptually, because uh, uh, of the good performance of all of these uh, vaccines individually in their clinical trials, I am pretty sure that what the UK trial is going to tell us is that mixing and matching is okay, but at the present instant, in the absence of any good evidence to establish that, what Canada and what most countries have said is that as much as possible, unless there were real extenuating circumstances, if you started with 
one particular vaccine, then finish with that vaccine. However, this issue of VIPIT appears to be one of these extenuating uh, circumstances. So really, uh, Denmark is doing this, is doing this without a lot of high quality evidence to guide them. But obviously, I think they're doing this to try to reduce uh, the chance of uh, seeing further cases of VIPIT in their population. Well, Matthew, we're, we're doing things too that are not necessarily uh, advised. I have the, the uh, Pfizer literature sitting on the desk in front of me. I needed it for a program the other day, and I quoted from it. I won't quote today. It just says, here's how you, how you administer this. And it's what you think. It's give a dose, wait three weeks, give another dose. There's no... You know, ifs, ands, buts, or asterisks. It's it's just that's what you do. But we decided we Canada, uh, you know, en gros, as you'd say in Montreal, the whole thing uh, is is saying no. The way vaccines are coming in, we're going to do it a different way. We're going to give one dose, and then maybe 120 days, give or take, we're going to give another dose, and we don't really know if that's effective. Can you help? Uh- your point is well taken. I'll point out that in the clinical trials of Pfizer and Moderna, uh, you know, Pfizer was uh, designed around the idea of three weeks, Moderna designed around the idea of four weeks. In both of those clinical trials, there were people who had delays longer than three or four weeks, respectively. Uh, you know, in fact, in both those trials, as it turned out, there were patients who uh, were studied who had delays of about six weeks. So you could certainly say that even if that didn't make it into the final recommendations, at least there is high-quality evidence to support uh, the efficacy at six-week intervals. There were, uh, but you're obviously right that uh, uh, some provinces and then ultimately Canada decided to extend the duration on the idea that from a population level, you were better off to protect more people by giving them a first dose rather than protect fewer people by giving them their second dose on a, in a more timely fashion. And whether that was the optimal policy or not, I think it's going to be a long time before we will have the numbers and the kinds of studies needed to really tell us which strategy, in retrospect, was the best. I want to keep talking about AstraZeneca and in the Canadian context in a moment, but I have to, because of what you've just said about numbers, uh, ask a question that I could phrase politically, but I won't because it's not fair. Um, you're in the medical field. But being in the medical field, you are acutely aware, more so than any of us, about the vaccine inventory, the distribution of that vaccine inventory, the projections of, of uh, numbers coming in. Uh, and uh, I've been crowing away on the radio since November, which is uh, when before anybody had gotten one shot officially of any vaccine. They were still in trials. We didn't start seeing Israel and then later uh, the U.S. and even Canada uh, administer vaccines till December. December. But we were, it, December 13th, I think it was, and we were consistently told everybody who wants to be vaccinated in Canada will have been vaccinated by the end of September. You'll remember that as well as I do. Is that possible? I think that's actually more than possible. Um, there have been uh, projections from various provinces coming out over the last few weeks that have usually said, I mean, I think Ontario 
said uh, recently uh, that they were expecting to have vaccinated everybody with at least the first dose. So that's not the, necessarily the full of, uh, you know, two-dose uh, series for those vaccines that use two doses, but at least have the first dose in everybody who wanted it by the end of June. I think Manitoba, if I'm not mistaken, uh, had said perhaps even a little bit sooner than that. So, so far, I think there are indicators that we will at least have gotten much of the way there, that is to say at least the first doses uh, in everybody who wanted them by, you know, maybe the end of the summer. Uh, and, you know, how, what proportion of the population will have had the full two-dose series at that point? And, of course, in the long term, what effect will that additional delay have on long-term uh, immunity, uh, especially in light of emergence of different variants that seem to have different levels of immune escape to the immunity that's generated by both natural infection and vaccination. All of those things, simply we haven't had enough time to gather the kinds of data to answer those questions. It's a lot to consider, but just to put it a different way, I did a little calculation and uh, put it on the air, and I don't think my math is that bad. I took a look at the Canadian tables that are issued by the government that uh, show what's being delivered and when, and what we know is we're getting a million doses, give or take, uh, Pfizer every week now till the end of May. We yeah, don't see any projections beyond in. that. And we see another million doses of Moderna, one million, coming in during that same time period. So in the next approximately seven weeks, we'll get about eight million doses of vaccine. And uh, I'm in Ontario, so at 40%, that would mean we would get approximately 3 million, about 3.2 million doses, uh, which on a single um, vaccination would uh, additional would provide an additional 3.2 million people with some protection. But if we kept getting a vaccine at that level and we kept on doing the math, in other words, we just put it on an Excel and said extend it out, we will get everybody vaccinated, double dose, by February 2022. Is that reasonable? Uh, I, that sounds, again, without having sat down with uh, your, Excel, your Excel spreadsheet myself, but that sounds about right. Uh, again, there's lots of additional factors to consider, right? So, for example, at the present Maybe time, the Americans there, will give us uh, an entree. That's one of them. Uh, I, I, I would predict that we may see further deliveries of AstraZeneca, and now in recent days I would even predict perhaps Johnson & Johnson uh, vaccines coming from America because I, I suspect they're going to try to vaccinate their population only with Pfizer and Moderna's product. We'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but there's going to be increasing doses, perhaps, from some of these uh, other sources. Don't forget, there's also going to be an increasing market because probably over the summer we will have the uh, trials uh, finished on uh, use of vaccines in children, of uh, teenagers and then uh, children. And that, of course, would increase the market uh, of or the, the, the size of the population that you would need to uh, vaccinate. Then, of course, we have the whole story of vaccine hesitancy in light of uh, the uh, complications with the blood clots, uh, Vipic, yeah. first with AstraZeneca and with Johnson Johnson. That appears to be having some effect. There's lots of stories in the press the last few days, both in Quebec and Ontario, about uh, decreasing uh, uh, attendance at various vaccination walk-in uh, uh, clinics here in Montreal, for example, that are giving AstraZeneca. So if that's the only availability, then uh, uh, does that sort of count as a missed opportunity? Or if people decide they don't want to get any other vaccination, do they then sort of get stricken off that list of the 
uh, of the population that should get vaccinated. Do you see what I mean? It, it gets a little more complex. Oh, the whole, the whole thing tends to get complicated, especially if you're if you're not in the medical sphere, and uh, probably to some extent, even if you are in the medical sphere, because I mean, you can you can be told here's a piece of paper that says what's coming next week, and uh, you can take that to the bank, and that's one thing. Or you can sit there with a crystal ball and divine, or try to, what's going to come and whose vaccine is going to be on hold and on pause or whatever they call it, uh, and, and what you're going to get as a result. But what is crystal clear to me is that uh, Canada has not gotten what we were told it was going to get, and that bothers me on many levels, not least politically, but as I said, I won't get you into that. Uh, it bothers me because we're better than that. We're G7. That doesn't make us a better country. It makes us stronger, and it means we should have had our orders in the same time as the other G7 that did put in their orders. Uh, let me just take a moment and say that uh, as soon as we're finished with Dr. Outen, we're going to uh, take your calls at 416-870-6400. The lines are open now. And this is on anything you've heard on COVID. My remarks, what you've heard from Dr. Outen, uh, anything that the, the monologue that I, uh, I gave you, the figures uh, that we're hearing about uh, Ontario today at uh, 4,500 cases approximately, this is all very uh, important stuff to all of us. And we may see even things like uh, our cabinet making changes that uh, are quite severe, and you think it's severe now. So 416-870-6400 if you want to start lining up the calls. And back to you, Dr. Matthew Outen is my guest. He is an infectious disease specialist at the Jewish General Hospital in Montreal. And uh, I said I wanted to go back to uh, AstraZeneca. Right there in Montreal, it's, it's just fizzled out. People don't want it. Can you explain that? Uh, it's certainly uh, interesting because uh, last week when the walk-in clinics first opened, there was actually what I called on a few different interviews sort of a smashing success, that we really had large numbers of people showing up initially uh, to uh, to get vac- vaccinated. And then fairly quickly over the course of about the last week, it really uh, seemed to decrease. Crashed and burned, I've heard. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that, that phrase has been used more than once. Okay. The... the uh, I think there's a few things going on. I think certainly there are some people who are concerned, especially in light of recent events like uh, United States putting a pause on their Johnson Johnson, which is a similar vaccine platform to what AstraZeneca uses. And uh, we haven't now, we haven't approved J and J, have we? Uh, so actually, we have a, Canada has approved Johnson Johnson. It's one of the four vaccines that have oh. been approved for use, but approval doesn't mean that we actually have the doses. So that's actually uh, been uh, been the holdup. So as far as I'm aware, I don't believe we've actually started administering uh, Johnson Johnson in Canada, although it's been uh, quite widely administered uh, in the states. I think in- one of the other issues that's been affecting the attendance here is uh, it appears that there's a sizable population who either aren't aware of how to get vaccinated. Certainly, and perhaps on the older population, the mechanics of getting out uh, uh, to the vaccine centers, either both you know to register for the vaccination online or to physically move and get there, have been proven to be difficult. And I think there's uh, increasing discussion as to how can you then get the vaccine into those people? Do you then uh, uh, develop mobile? units, which is actually happening in some areas in Montreal as we speak, where we're sort of getting the vaccine out into the communities rather than asking the community to come to the vaccination clinics. Quick answer to a quick question, because I've got to let you go. I'm way over on time. Should one get the vaccine if one has already had COVID? Uh, 100% yes. There's lots of data to support that vaccination 
following recovery from COVID, most authorities that I'm aware of uh, say something like a three-month wait after you recover from COVID, that that vaccination actually gives you very high quality and broad immunity, including immunity uh, effective against many of the variants. So 100% yes, uh, you certainly should because the vaccination improves upon the immunity that the uh, natural infection generates. Great. As usual, lots of quality information from somebody who uh, has it at his fingertips. I'm sure we'll be talking again. Thank you, Dr. Matthew Outen. My pleasure. Have a good afternoon. All right. Dr. Outen is an infectious disease specialist at the Jewish General Hospital.